Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Rachel Mansfield is a recipe developer, food stylist, and founder of the wellness blog, Rachel Mansfield. Rachel specializes in creating recipes made with simple, real ingredients that are suitable for anyone and everyone. She is one of the most influential people in the world of well-being, and I am so excited for her first must-read book called Just the Good Stuff, 100-plus guilt-free recipes to satisfy all your cravings. Whatever your diet, she's got you covered, gluten-free, paleo, plant-based, and without refined sugar. You're going to want to eat and make everything in this book. In this podcast, we get personal and talk about her journey to well-being, motherhood, and her take on why we shouldn't be striving for work-life balance. I'm thrilled to welcome my friend Rachel Mansfield to the Mind Body Green podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm happy to be back in the studio. Back back with the MBG family. So I want to start with where your blogging and food career started. And for the members of our audience who don't know the story, can you take us back to when you got fired from your job, which kickstarted the journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been, I've had my blog and Instagram for five years now, but I've been doing this full time for four years back in, yeah, December was my four year anniversary, which is wild. It went by so fast. Um, but I was working at a CPG company and I started there as the executive assistant to the CEO and founder. And little did I know at that time how much that job was going to prepare me for what I do today because I was one of the first employees at that company and a few years down the road it was purchased and it just grew exponentially. Um, But when I was there, I worked so closely with the CEO and that was also when Instagram started to become, in quotes, like trendier and up and coming and I saw this blogging space and I remember saying to everyone you guys bloggers are going to be huge like this is going to be an epic part of the industry we need to start sending these these women and men like the the product so they could share it on Instagram no one really understood what I was saying at the time but they're like yeah Rachel run with it so my passion for blogging and all things Instagram and wellness really started there and when I was working at that job, I also felt very undervalued and undercompensated for the work that I was doing. And I had asked for a raise. I like presented, you no, know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z for this brand. I think I deserve more money. And I was basically told I wasn't deserving of, of the income I wanted. And I knew in my gut that that wasn't right and it wasn't fair for what I felt I deserved. So I was sitting on my couch, like all people do when they think of great ideas, with my um, now husband and fiance, and I said to him, you know what, I'm going to walk dogs or babysit or I'm going to sell overnight oats and just deliver it to people who like are hungry in their office. That actually sounds like a great business model. <laughs> I just wanted to make money at the time and was like, how can I make it fast? And mind you, I'm not a big fan of children or babysitting besides my own son like I'm infatuated with him I love him so much but I don't really like dogs I'm not an animal person I just I want to do something and Jordan said you know Rach I know you love overnight oats and oatmeal but before you look into getting a kitchen and delivering this to people why don't you just share a recipe somewhere see what happens so I started posting different overnight oat recipes and muffins and banana bread and everything that was centered around oatmeal And from there, it really just spiralized and grew. And it was at a point in time where the space, it wasn't as oversaturated as it is today. It was a lot more exciting. There also 
weren't, there wasn't anyone that was just posting recipes made with ingredients that were good for you, tasted good. And everyone felt, everyone was falling under a specific label or lifestyle. And I never really have, I'm not gluten-free, I'm not vegan, I'm not keto or paleo, but I have like love and respect for anyone who does those. But I love foods in all of those areas. And I just wanted to share recipes for anyone. So when I was still at the CPG brand, they actually um, unexpectedly fired me. When I was fired from my job, my Instagram was, I was very proud of it. And I'm always, always proud of like anyone who puts himself out there, but it wasn't paying my bills at the time. I was making $50 a post here or there. So I was completely blindsided, told that my Instagram was going to be a conflict of interest. And I was sent on my merry little way. And it was December 4th. Still remember the date. And I walked home from the meeting I was fired in. And I called my dad. I didn't even want to call my husband because I was like, oh my God, what am, what is he going to say? <laughs> call my dad. And I just started crying. Like, what am I going to do? I feel like a failure. I can't believe I'm fired. I'm 25 years old. Who gets fired already? And I was fortunate, uh, uh, fortunate enough to collect unemployment. I applied for that immediately, which for anyone wondering, I collected the same amount of money for unemployment as I was making at my job. So I was pretty like comfortable to hold me over. And I was sitting at a pizza place with my mom, my dad, and my husband. And I just didn't know what I was going to do. I I had such a passion for growing my own brand and creating recipes, but I didn't really believe in myself. I didn't think that I could do it full time and make a living from it. And my parents said, and Jordan had said, why don't you just give yourself six months hustle, grow your brand, put yourself out there. If it sticks, it sticks and you'll keep going. If not, you'll go and find another job. And that's exactly what I did. I started hustling like a maniac and pretty much haven't stopped since then, but (laughs) it's grown and it's been amazing. And it's now been four years of doing that. And I never would have had the courage to start my own brand without, you know, getting fired and feeling undercompensated and undervalued. And when you started, there weren't nearly as many food influencers as there are right now in the world. And were you like, oh, wow, I think there's like this strategic niche for me in this labelless land while we're in this sea of, you know, paleo, gluten-free, you know, label hype? Or were you just going to, I'm going to throw it out there and see what sticks? Exactly. I just, I put myself in like the, in the community shoes and eyes always. Like what do I, when I'm scrolling or when I'm reading or when I'm looking for a recipe, what do I want to see? And what do I want to eat? And that's always what I've done. And I love using ingredients like almond flour and coconut flour, but I love spelt flour and I love oat flour and using coconut sugar. And I just, I love a variety of ingredients that are good for you. So I've always just focused on that. And I think that that also makes it a very, it's very accessible for consumers. And as your brand has grown and as you have evolved as a person and a human and a mom, um, how have you treated you know those other big moments in your life, whether it's like the birth of Ezra and how have you thought of how you incorporate or don't incorporate these other elements of you? Because it's so much more than food right now in your, on your blog. It is. And that's a very interesting question because um, a few months ago, I was speaking on a panel with a couple of other, like, I guess you could say colleagues, because I don't really have any coworkers <laughs> um, in this space. And I was asked that same question. And I think that once you put yourself out there, your readers are not only invested in you, I mean, in your food and the recipes you're sharing, but they're genuinely interested in your life and they like seeing the behind the scenes and I think a huge part of that are, are, is Instagram stories when that launched and 
that's really allowed me to talk about things like Ezra and my infertility journey and you know starting a family but then also when I transitioned from not eating meat to eating meat and it, it the more I opened up on my account in more than one way or another the more it attracted I think people more because they realize there's more behind an account than just like banana bread with a peanut butter drizzle which <laughs> as good to. as that is and Sometimes I find that the well-being community can be super judgmental about yeah. some things, whether it's how we choose to bring our children into the world or, you know, you mentioned eating meat again. Have you had any of that type of backlash or reactions? I'm really grateful to say that I don't get a lot of negativity or backlash. Um, even when I started eating meat again, I shared that now probably about three years ago, and I didn't really get any hate for that, but I also think it's because no one realized I didn't eat meat because I've never claimed a label. Like, right. I never called myself a pescatarian or vegetarian or anything. I just never posted anything meat-related, so people probably didn't put two and two together. I think the situation would have been different if I was, like, self-advocating as a, with a certain label in right. place. Um, I mean, nowadays, sometimes I get negative messages that my son has a nanny or that I have care for him. And... My, I just roll my eyes because it's like, well, how do you expect someone to run a business? And that would be horrible for my son. Wouldn't be fair to him. He would be like neglected all day. He needs help. He needs nurturing. He needs care. He needs to grow. And my business and you has need to time grow. Too. Exactly. It's not fair to like, you know, stereotype like that. Yeah. So um, something I read up on you that I, I really laughed out loud as was that you hate the word self-care. <laughs> I don't know where you read that, but yeah, I do hate the word self-care. I do. I think it's beat and dead and beat Talk over to me more again. About this. Um, I mean, I'm guilty of saying things are part of self-care, but I think it was like a year, year and a half ago, it like took over Instagram. And I think like it just was something that was so overdone and that I couldn't listen to anymore. And I just, if you want to take care of yourself, take care of yourself. So how do you take care of yourself in the midst of being an entrepreneur, which you know, is always smooth sailing, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, no, it's never a roller coaster <laughs> at all. Um, I like I liked to keep things relatively simple. For me, I go for a walk every single morning. I like to clear my head. Even when it's 15 degrees, you'll find me outside, like just even if it's for a 15-minute walk, I have to go outside and just get fresh air. And to me, that's caring for, for myself. And yeah. Um, when it comes to things like getting my nails done or like anything, I just, I try not to hesitate on doing things like that because the happier and more content I am as a person, the better mother I'm going to be, the better wife I'm going to be, a daughter, friend, anyone. And I think the better care of yourself that you take, you'll take care of other people better that way. So there's so much conversation these days around balance. What's your take on That's it? That's my Do you other have word. Any? <laughs> That's the other word I actually can't take. When they were, um, we were writing something for- We share these two. <laughs> really? I'm happy to hear that. Um, we were writing something for my book and they wrote like, Rachel has a balanced approach to food. And it's true, but I said, guys, I, I can't use that word. I just don't think it exists. Right. I don't think there's a such thing as a perfect balance. And I, by someone assuming that there is, it just makes you be, it, you feel disappointed. Like I'm never gonna feel balanced at the end of the day. Some days I'm gonna focus way too much on work and not enough on my son. Other days it's gonna be vice versa. Some days- Some days work is hard. Exactly, and that's okay. And it also makes you appreciate the days that do go smoothly yeah. and that you do get like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I, when it comes to food, 
I'm an equal opportunist. If I like to, if it sounds good, I'm going to eat it. And some days I definitely eat way too much bread. And other days I don't eat enough greens. I'm not very good at getting vegetables in. And I eat too many cookies or chocolate. And you move on. Yeah. So how do you balance being a digital entrepreneur with trying or not trying to set limits with how much time you spend online and on your phone and on Instagram? Oh, I wish I had a better answer for that because sometimes I don't think that I do Asking a very a good friend. job. I know, right? I don't <laughs> I don't think I do a good job on that, but I'm also not a huge fan of like social media detoxes because then we're making social media the enemy and it's not the enemy. We're no. our own enemy. You know, it's it's our decision for how long we mindlessly scroll on our phone. It's our decision for like wanting to capture everything and when you're when I'm on my phone and I'm realizing like, okay, it's probably been more than like five to 10 minutes, I just, I put it down. Yeah. And on weekends a lot, I don't post on Saturdays usually. Do I you like, still do all the posts yourself? Oh yeah. I awesome. run everything. Everything's me and me, myself and I, me and all my friends. Um, <laughs> I post and do everything myself. So Saturdays I give myself the day off. Sometimes I share stories, sometimes I don't, but I don't find my life all that exciting that every little thing needs to be captured. I don't think it really matters, but I also am not someone who's sharing what I ate for breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, snacks all day, every day. I can't. I want to eat my food when it's hot. There's some practical concerns. Exactly. And I think that's important because not everything needs to be shared. And I was just actually with a friend before this and I was saying like, I don't think that my life is that exciting that I need to share every little second of every little day. Some things need to stay personal. So, so you've clearly been thoughtful about what you share and how you share it. And mm-hmm. how is that um, factored into how you share, you know, being a mom and motherhood and the goods and the bads of all of that? I think that's being a, transitioning into motherhood has really opened my eyes into that because I do share photos of Ezra. Um, I love, love sharing of him because he's my pride and joy he's my everything and I also like cannot believe the amount of people that genuinely like want to see when I post him when I don't people are like where's Ezra been Ezra's very busy right now but at the same he's time the park. <laughs> we've had our fair share of like challenges with him like he was colic for six months most babies are colic for three months so like I didn't share him turning purple every day and me wanting to pull my hair out like that I can't share his vulnerabilities like he had you know a couple issues growing we had to take him to specialists he had things with his head take him to specialists I'm not storying like him getting ultrasounds because that's not my news to share like if someone wants to talk about it one-on-one I'm more than happy to talk about it but I can't post videos of him doing that that's just not fair for him so it kind of brought me back down being like, you know, what are you sharing? Like, what's the intention behind that? And I am pretty selective on what I share in my in my life and what I don't. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so transitioning from motherhood to food, mm-hmm. tell me about how you started experimenting in the kitchen. So fun fact, I didn't know how to cook until I was 23. I didn't even know how to touch a piece of raw chicken, like cut an onion, nothing. I have zero culinary experience. That's like less so inspiring. Than zero. Well, that's the point is that I want people to realize that you don't need to like know how to cook to cook or even to bake because baking, you know, is very like calculated and exact. But yeah. I don't have experience behind this. I just like kind of concoct recipes and 
if sometimes they fail epically and I'm eating a pile of mush and other times it turns out great. But when it came to cooking, my mother-in-law actually taught me how to cook a lot. I lived with my in-laws before Jordan and I were even married, which is a little unconventional, but I love my mother-in-law very dearly. I love that. And yeah, no, she's, I'm very close with both my mother and my mother-in-law. I'm very grateful for that because I feel lucky to have like two maternal figures in my life. And it takes a village. It certainly does for both me and and Ezra. Um, So she actually taught me how to cook when I was living with her. And I always grew up with a home-cooked meal from my mom. My mom's an amazing cook. She hates to cook, but she is a very good cook. And she always served us something that she made. And I knew I was going to need to learn how to cook at some point. But when I was learning this, I also was starting to pay attention to the foods I was putting in my body and realizing there's differences between using like vegetable oil and avocado oil and canola oil and coconut oil. And that's when I kind of shut away the heavily processed ingredients. Yeah. And my passion for cooking and baking just continued to grow because I knew that if I was going to be eating salmon, I was going to want it to be wild salmon. I wasn't going to want it to be Atlantic salmon. And that really opened my eyes to to the world of food and cooking. And so you were just a super curious human around all these things and went down like the rabbit hole. Because I know you're not a nutritionist. I love how no. you call that out on your, your bio. <laughs> Always. Because people are like, what should I eat? I'm like, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and are there any staples of of how you eat because I'm sure it doesn't look like it does on Instagram. Are is there just some easy go tos that you're like I'm tired. Here's what I cook, you know, on a Wednesday night when I'm exhausted and have 15 minutes that yeah. someone who has um, no skills in the kitchen could replicate. <laughs> I can come help you. <laughs> um, I would say that Jordan and I eat breakfast for dinner probably two to three times wow. a week. We have like bagel sandwiches with scrambled eggs, a little bit of like feta or goat cheese or. I've been using this like cashew cream cheese a lot that Which I love. One? Monty's. We had in the office. Really good. <gasps> I heard really good. with the Hugh Kitchen bagels, right? <laughs> yeah. So that is my dinner with eggs and avocado <laughs> a plethora of times a week. Um, I keep things really, really simple. And I share a lot of that on stories because I want people to see that like just because I'm, quote, a recipe developer doesn't mean that I'm having these gourmet meals all day. Right. I eat bagels for lunch a lot. I keep things really simple. Um, Jordan and I – Jordan loves – my husband loves to cook. So that's where I'm also very fortunate. On Sundays, we cook together. Well, we – let me rephrase that. On Sundays, we used to cook together before Ezra, and then now we kind of take turns. Like yeah. one Sunday, he does a lot of the food prep. The next Sunday, I do a lot of the food prep. And we prep a lot of vegetables and meats and everything for the week. And that way I'm able to kind of mix and match ingredients here and there and make different things. And so one night if I want tacos, I can take the roasted chicken that we made on Sunday, put it on some tortillas and add whatever toppings and just make it into a taco. So are you super strategic about how you plan your Sundays to optimize for meal prep? That I am. I'm very... I, we're, Walk I'm us like through a how that works. Well, usually I'm on Saturdays. We try I always and, have the best intentions. <laughs> doesn't quite happen. I try and divide it up in a way where on Saturdays we'll go to the grocery store and get the food that we need. So that way like it's in the house on Sunday. So I have to make it because I'm not going to waste food. So and it takes 30, 40 minutes to get like literally get the groceries and like do everything. It doesn't take that long, especially we live in Hoboken. So we either walk up to the Whole Foods in Weehawken or we'll grab stuff that's like local and we'll keep it in the house. And then Sunday, we just start cooking it. I have actually in my book, just the good stuff. I have a whole chapter on food prep and how we do it in the whole like two to three hours tops. And we just pick a few proteins, a few vegetables, 
and we make them and we literally have them for the for four to five days i live by like the five day rule if something was made on monday like it has to be eaten by saturday like i get I a little sneaked out right to live by. Yeah. um there's certain things that go bad way before that but <laughs> we try and keep things as simple as possible when we and we're, that's why i actually i call it food prep i don't call it meal prep because i'm not making meals right. we're just making food that's cooked so when Ezra goes down at 7.30 and like I'm really hungry. I'm not sitting there having to cook something. I have food that's made. I can do whatever I want with it. Are there any pantry staples, snack staples of your household? Walk us through so those. So many. I love sharing my fridge and pantry on on Instagram. Um, I, w- I have a whole like guide too to like kitchen tools, the pantry, the fridge, like what's in there, what to buy organic, well, what, what we buy organic, etc. But when it comes to like produce, I love organic arugula. I love spinach. Honeycrisp apples are like my life. Hello, so much, yes. right? I eat banana. Bananas and apples are like my go-to fruits. I'm not a big fruit person at all. I love dried mango too, and so does Ezra. But um, apples, bananas, mushrooms, Japanese sweet potatoes, mm-hmm. and I always try and buy organic, especially the like the dirty dozen, like on foods like that. Um, and then for meats, we love keeping grass-fed lamb and beef, chicken. Real, I try and just keep everything that like. And Ezra eats what Jordan and I eat, so like it's easy because at least right now, who knows when he gets? He's he's only a little over a year, so he we don't know what's gonna happen. But he um, he'll eat whatever. And then for snacks, perfect. I know bars. you're a huge snacker. <laughs> I love snacks. Well, Jordan and I eat like infants. Like we have to eat every two to three hours. Um, <laughs> I know that probably means there's something off my blood with our blood sugar, but we just go with it. Um, I love dark chocolate and I love perfect bars and we love tortilla chips and any oh, favorite everything. brands of dark chocolate or tortilla chips. Those um, are like staples in our house. So Hue Kitchen is like my die, ride or die when it comes to chocolate. I've been eating that and splurging on that, I shouldn't say, since I was working at that company. And it was like, so, to me, I was like, oh my God. And I used to go down to Hue Kitchen, walk down there from our apartment, walk all the way back up and just be so happy to have their cashew butter chocolate. That's so good. And now they have their hunks, like the dark chocolate yeah, covered cashews. Yeah, house. They're so good. What you have to do is let them melt and then put the bag in the fridge and it makes this like clustery bark it's so good yeah that that happened by accident because I left the cashews in Ezra's diaper bag when it was like in the summer and then I was like oh my god it's melted mush just put them in the fridge because I didn't want to throw it out I was like I'll bake with it like I'll do something it ended up being one of my favorite snacks ever yum so good um and then yeah perfect bars are a must in my life I love them love them too and so you're the wellness iconoclast in that you're not into balance self-care and I learned right before this Mm. conversation that you're not into smoothies (laughs) (laughs) tell me what your breakfast looks like um usually a slice of banana bread I have probably two dozen types of banana breads on my blog at this point um yeah I'm always making it because that's something that like if I bake that Ezra can eat it Jordan can eat it I can eat it um I love coconut yogurts and granolas probably like my favorite food group um a lot of yeah yogurts granolas banana breads muffins baked oatmeals all things you can prep in advance and like Say we're, you know, you want to bake a paleo chocolate chip banana bread and you're like going out of town or you're like, I don't want to eat the whole thing. You could just put it in the freezer. Right. And that way it's ready, which I do a lot. Like if I have 
three to four really freckled bananas, like when they're like extra sweet to bake with. I bake the banana bread, and even if we don't need it, I just put it in my freezer, which is great. I'm going to need to get you over to our apartment to Marie Kondo, my uh, my fridge, my pantry. I thrive off of organizing refrigerators and pantries (laughs) as we took a long nap a couple weekends ago, and I deep cleaned our entire fridge like a nerd and but it felt so good after and I used to do that so often now I don't have time but it's so nice to be able to do that well in your infinite free time come on over yeah really so let's talk about the genesis of your first book which is so exciting thank you I'm so excited just the good stuff um it's not to sound like a lame punny person but it's just a lot of good stuff (laughs) it is I promise that's where the title came from which took forever to even come up with and then when we finally had it it was like duh like what else would this title be um it's very it's a different approach to most cookbooks to be honest I'm not a huge cookbook reader myself which I sound like a hypocrite in the sense where I'm even having a cookbook but I have a hard time following other recipes um which was also a huge reason why I started making my own but it's set up a little bit differently it's not categorized by like breakfast lunch dinner snack dessert it's approached in the sense where I'm telling stories throughout my life. There's a whole chapter that's all about comfort food made healthy. And that's where I talk about getting fired from my job and starting my own brand. And in that chapter, it's those comfort foods that you're craving after a really long day or a really shitty day. Right. Like chili mac and cheese with a cornless cornbread. And the chili mac and cheese is plant-based. It like doesn't have dairy in it. Then there's like sweet potato pierogies, gluten-free Pop-Tarts. So like things that you just want when you're like feeling ugh. Yeah. Um, also, there's biscuits, which actually taste like real biscuits that I'm so excited about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the whole chapter with food prep and what to keep in your kitchen, what you need. And there's a whole chapter dedicated to meat. And because I know I didn't want someone to pick up the book if they don't eat meat and be like, oh, there's so many meat recipes. So all the recipes that have meat in them are in one chapter. Nice. And that's where I talk about transitioning into eating meat again. And when um, did you make that transition? Uh, three years ago? Oh, no, no, longer than that. Uh, I would say over four years ago or so now, I think, which is crazy. And now I eat meat every day. Like I love meat sticks or like grass-fed beef sticks are one of my favorite snacks. Um, but the book itself, it's just I want it to be as like approachable and the food and the recipes to be accessible for everyone. There's actually a chapter that you're going to love that's all – solo meals when you're cooking for yourself when you get home and you have like five minutes you're starving like this is how I make my little tortilla breakfast pizza and my epic five minute quesadilla which I make for lunch and dinner more often than I care to share my mom when my parents live up in Weehawken so they're only a mile and a half from um, my family and my mom comes over for dinner and I'm like great we're having quesadillas and she loves them too you can use like pesto you can use like plant-based cheese or regular cheese and just how we eat concoct everything at the time exactly and it's just easy and there's actually like a microwavable sweet potato mac and cheese like an easy mac thing like for one serving so I think it's just it's something there's recipes for everyone and any cooking level and any skill level and the dessert chapter is just my favorite obviously talk to me more about the dessert chapter so the dessert chapter is the biggest chapter but contrary to what most may think it's act there's more savory recipes in the book than sweet um the dessert chapter is it's magical there's so many cookies and brownies there's chocolate lava cake that is nut free Uh, my brother has a nut allergy so I try and do a nice balance of recipes that don't have nuts in them too which I feel like most people probably assume a lot of my recipes 
are all nuts because I love nuts and nut butter so much. Um, but they have chocolate lava cake. There's a double layer chocolate chip cookie cake with avocado cacao cream frosting. Wow. It is so good. And how do you think about sweeteners when you cook? Um, in terms of sweeteners, I really like to use coconut sugar. I love using Manuka honey. I use Wetterspoon's Manuka honey. Mm. It's my favorite. It's so good. Um, and maple syrup. I, I, I try and pick the same ingredients and I use them over and over and over again. So that way you're not buying an ingredient at the grocery store and then using it once and never yeah. seeing it again. And what about flowers? Almond flour, coconut flour, oat and spelt flour are like my top four. And like a tapioca or arrowroot I keep around. And, and how do you – which one goes in which type of recipe? It just kind of depends what I'm craving or what I'm looking for. If I want something that is going to be grain-free or something that's going to be a little bit more dense, I choose the almond flour, the coconut flour. If I want something that's a little bit more cakey in a way, I'll use oat flour and spelt flour. And oat and spelt flour are a lot more similar to like traditional baking flours. Almond yeah. flour and coconut flour are like a beast to bake with, to be honest. Okay. Um, and I, I explain all of that in the book too, like how I recommend making substitutions and if someone wants to make a recipe and they only have almond flour, like if I've tested it, this is how much almond flour you'll need. Um, but I try and like do a little bit of this and a little bit of that with flours. And what should, do you have, I know you can't choose favorite children, but are there any, <laughs> you know, one or two favorite recipes from the book that we all need to check out? Yeah. Definitely the Pop-Tarts, which are technically called pastry tarts because of, like, copyright things. But <laughs> I was like, what do you mean pastry tarts? My, we don't want any IP issues. I know. My blueberry pastry tarts, a.k.a. Pop-Tarts, are one of my personal favorites. Um, the double chocolate chip cookie cake I spoke about before. It's funny because when I'm done thing with this, I'm going to think of everything. There's a maple bacon banana bread whoa which i'm super excited about bacon and beef meatballs jordan my mother-in-law and my mom all have recipes in the book too which is just so like meaningful to yeah. me my mom has a mandel bread recipe which is my favorite like jewish dessert that she makes um and she like made it like a bit healthier like with using coconut sugar instead of um brown and cane sugar and there's just recipes for everything and every and anything breakfast snacks you name it, it's in there. So excited to check out more of it. Um, I've gotten a sneak peek, and it's it's gorgeous and beautiful. And can't Thank wait to carve you. out more time. I wanted some of the recipes. to bring you guys some, but you have so many people here. I was like, I don't think I have enough <laughs> to bring treats. I I never show up empty-handed, and when I do, I once I was meeting with my perfect bar team a few months ago. And, I, for, I brought them cake batter blondies and I Yum. forgot to give them to them. And then I was like, guys, I'm so sorry. I forgot to give you the blondies. They go, I didn't want to be rude, but I was expecting something. <laughs> so I genuinely feel bad when I show up without something. But You're still welcome. It's okay. Thank you. I'll use your kitchen here next time. Fantastic. Um, so food and orthorexia is like such an important conversation in wellness these days. And I, I love your fresh perspective of the labelless way to eat. How do you navigate all that and stay true to who you are? And It's hard not to let the vibe and the perception of eating healthy overtake you. And I'm guilty of falling into that trap a lot of times where it's like my family wants to go out to dinner somewhere and I know that like it's not exactly what I'm craving. I know they're going to be using like canola oils and other things that like I don't use at home. Right. But then I remind myself like Rachel, this is your life. Like you can't live your life afraid of food that's not healthy. Like eating pizza that like Jordan and I 
love pizza. It's especially we live in Hoboken. There's pizza on every corner, and it's like good pizza. Yeah, I can't live my life in fear of that. And Jordan has the best approach and perspective to food compared to anyone I've met in my entire life, and that he keeps me on track because What's his perspective. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. He eats very like. Like, he's not someone who craves dessert like I do, but, like, he wants, like, a home-cooked meal. Like, he wants roasted chicken with vegetables and sweet potatoes. Like, he craves that. But when we're traveling, like, for example, we went to Charleston. He wanted biscuits. Like, he wants the culture of the food that he's going to, and he doesn't care. We went to Europe. He couldn't button his pants on the plane ride home because he ate so much there, but he didn't care. He gets home. Oh, his pants fit, like, a week later. And I understand the male and the female, like, body is obviously very different, but – he really inspires me to not let food overtake me and just enjoy myself and call it a day. Because I think that when you deprive yourself, de- deprive yourself of any food, you're gonna, it really, it messes with your mind. And then you're gonna wanna overeat that food. So when you just like let yourself have what you want and don't miss out on things, it just, it's refreshing. Yeah. And is that where like being in a relationship creates like an even better like dynamic when it comes to food? Exactly. And and Ezra now is I, I want to be an example for him. I don't want him to be like explaining his a crazy mom who like doesn't like to eat, you know, and right. that's always been so important to me because everyone struggles with eating at some point. I struggled a lot in college when it came to finding my happy place when it came to like my body acceptance and I gained a lot of weight in college when I went there. I gained like freshman 15 within like 15 days of being in school and trying to like get that whole balance and back on track. Well, here I am using the word balance. Get <laughs> get back on track, I should say. You know, it was an adventure and I've worked so hard to get to where I am today. In the last like I would say five or plus years, I've never felt better since doing yeah. this. And it, it's helpful. It's been so amazing. And what about eating pregnancy, postpartum? Did you eat the same way when you were going through those huge life changes? Yeah, it was funny because when I was pregnant with when I was pregnant with Ezra, he came four weeks early, and I remember a couple weeks before I went into labor, saying to Jordan, "What do I do when Ezra's born? Does my is my body just gonna like like go back? Like I know that sounds so naive, and I knew that it doesn't happen, but I'm like, what am I gonna do? And then I was like, is that when I'm supposed to go on a diet? And I'm like, no, I'm just gonna continue to do what I've been doing for the last five plus years. And let it run its course. And that's exactly what I did. I, My body, like full disclosure, my body had a crazy reaction to nursing and breastfeeding where when we left the hospital, I like didn't look pregnant anymore, which is not the norm. And that right. is not the example that I ever want to set for anyone who's pregnant and about to have a baby. But my body went into shock from nursing and just all my hormones were like, quote, okay. Like I had sent them to like Dr. Littman and I had him Love take Frank. a look. Love him. Hi. Um, And I just had my body just was crazy in the sense where it was producing so much and doing so much for Ezra at the time that I didn't have a hard time. Like look like I guess you could say like losing baby, which I hate even phrasing because if it wasn't the case, I wouldn't have wanted to put pressure on myself to do so. And I was actually like pretty self-conscious of my body when I had just had Ezra because, you know, you got the, wow, you just had a baby. Like, oh my God. And it's like, yeah, I had a baby, but I'm still not feeling good about my body. And even though, you know, weight is just one of the many things that change about your body, as you know, like yeah. your uterus changes, your boobs change. Like my nipples will never be the same after nursing. They just won't. And your hair changes. I had gotten my hair done a couple of days ago and 
the woman didn't even know that I, I had had a child in the last year. She goes, oh, did you have a baby? You have all the little baby hairs growing. I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, that's so many things change. And it's more than just like the weight and the look of your body. It's everything. Were you conscious about sharing photos of yourself postpartum? Yeah. My mom actually said to me, Rach, you really shouldn't show your body on your Instagram until you put some weight on. Because I just didn't, I didn't look good, but I didn't feel good. It's and also it, a lot for a caption to explain everything that's is. going on. But this People is, are just going to look at the image and react. Exactly. And this is also something where it's like I was selective on what I shared. Because yeah. I knew that like if I posted something like this, you know, when it was like this when I was in college when I looked like that, it was because of like disordered eating and I didn't feel good with food. I wasn't nourishing my body. That wasn't the case with this. Right. I felt mentally fine. It was just physically I looked ridiculous. To, For lack of a better term, I just like looked like, oh my God. And it took me, I want to say probably like three to four weeks. And I just ate everything. And I was able to like, like you know, be in a place where I wanted to share myself again. And did nursing get easier as time went on? It did. It has its ups and downs. Are you still but, nursing? Um, I am still nursing. I, you know, the first few weeks of it were like, all right, it's an adjustment. You know, it was cool. Actually, the day before my water broke, I started leaking like colostrum. Yeah. I should have known then that Ezra was coming a month early. Like the fact that I was wow. randomly like, yeah. leaking colostrum. And once I had like my supply come in, I was never someone who had an oversupply. I was really just making ends meet. Like I have a freezer full of breast milk, but it's because like once, especially once Ezra started eating food, he didn't nurse, he doesn't like, you know, you don't nurse as much. Yeah. Um. But it, so as started eating food when he was five months old, which is earlier because yeah. he was on the smaller side. And he, as soon as that happened, it like relieved so much pressure from me when it came to nursing because I didn't have to like be the only source of something right. for him to like, stay alive right and that was really cool and actually seeing his passion for food is just and it's amazing like that kid loves to eat he eats anything and everything like lamb meatballs pasta even when he had no teeth it's crazy <laughs> um but nursing got easier once he started to eat food and i also think that it, that has its ups and downs especially with me like mentally it's taxing on the mom to to nurse and to do it that sure is are you still are you nursing yeah I, I nursed Ellie for 18 months, and I don't oh my think God. Grace and I are going to go that long. <laughs> That's a lot. And then you don't even get your body back, you know? Well, and and weaning was really hard, and I don't think people, like, talk about it. It's hard for mom. It's hard for baby. And, you know, the older Ellie got, the more she got attached to it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it gets harder. In my in my experience of one child, I think it gets, <laughs> it gets harder to wean the older they get and the more they understand what's going on. That's what I've heard. So I don't – yeah, it's a, I also just kind of want to be able to go. I'm a little regimented about how many about like missing pump sessions if I'm not with him and I just want to not like I have my pump with me here. I want to be able to go out and not carry a pump with me. <laughs> and I just think that would be really nice. Yeah. You know, but I loved it and every time that I almost was not I don't want to say dreading it cuz I never dreaded it. it was more just like, "Oh my god, already 3 hours like right. I have to sit down again with him already." I'm going to look back on this when he's like 18 and wish that I was still nursing him. Yeah. And that's what I – that was my motivation. And I know that what I'm doing isn't something that every mom can do. Not every mom can breastfeed. I have friends that they're just – they weren't able to do it. And yeah. it makes me appreciate that my body like did go into complete overload trying to do it and that I was able to, to do it for as long as I am. 
So switching gears one last time, Mm -hmm. what food trends are you most excited about right now? Trends. Mm. It's another word that I'm like, trends, self-care, and balance are like my three, like, Any others that I can hit on during this conversation? (laughs) No, I (laughs) I love this, though. Um, Trends that I'm excited about. You know, when I was walking Expo in September. Which I know is one of your favorite events. (laughs) It's my mom's favorite event in the entire, I think she likes Expo more than like the birth of my brother and I and like my (laughs) wedding. Like my parents live for Expo. My mom comes, my dad comes. They're all coming to Expo West too. They're crazy. Um, I like the brands that are keeping things simple, that are just taking foods that we love and crave and just not overdoing it and going over the top. Like, for example, last year, Emmy's launched these, like, chocolate peanut butter cup yeah. bites or chocolate-covered peanut butter. I'm going to butcher the exact language. Sorry, Sam. But, <laughs> like, that excites me. Like, the, the trends that are, like, are a lack of trend excites me because, yeah. like, Perfect Bar's peanut butter cups. Thank you. Like, all I want is a peanut butter cup that's made with ingredients I can yeah. trust. I don't need something infused with something. I don't need something, like – with this herb and this like i love you're not looking for adaptogens in your peanut butter cups no but the thing is like then at the same time i love rebel like i love that those like do have adaptogens and those are like like these like creamy delicious chocolatey coconut milks like they're delicious but i don't need that in everything that i'm consuming right and the trends i love are the brands that are keeping things simple very cool and delicious well, thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. Thank you for having me. It was so, so nice to be here. Last time I was here, I was recording a video. You guys didn't even have a podcast yet. Oh my gosh, it's been too long. Well, I welcome know. back. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.